0: Father, in Jesus' name, again, we are uh, so grateful for your presence today. Again, Lord God, we know that your spirit is here with us. uh, So we are are happy, Lord, uh, to have you here amongst your people, Lord. So now, Father, we ask you that you would speak to our hearts, uh, that you would speak to our, our very souls today, Lord. Again, Lord God, we know that you have a word specifically for us, for me today, Lord God, you have a word. So I receive it, Lord God. Give me this strength to follow and to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Some of you uh, have heard this story before, I believe, but nevertheless, uh, when I was in elementary school, one of the things that uh, at least the boys used to revel in was the fact that maybe one day we could be on patrol. Uh, Any of you remember what patrol was? Uh, And if you don't know what patrol is in our elementary school, uh, basically patrol was the boys and girls who helped the other students cross the street. Right? And you always knew who patrol were because uh, during the regular school day, they looked like anyone else. But either before or after school, you could tell who they were because they used to wear these... uh, high fluorescent uh, orange belts around their chest and around their waist. Remember that? And it was pretty cool. Sometimes you could tell who we were because we could fold our patrol belts in a certain way, right, into a box form, and then we could clip them on our hips. So a lot of times we would walk around the school showing our patrol belts like we were something. So one of the things that ever since I found out about patrols, seeing these boys and girls on all these corners, I said one day I want to become one of them because I thought they were so cool. And then uh, about sixth grade, I did become uh, a patrol person. I was a patrol boy. And I was assigned my corner, and my only duty was to make sure that uh, none of the kids crossed the street when there was a car coming. See? When there was a car coming, uh, that belt gave me the authority to do my arms like this to stop everybody from crossing the street. Ultimately, when I finally made it to eighth grade, not only was I a patrol boy, but I was also patrol captain. This meant that me and some of you are probably saying to yourself, "Oh God, what did he do this time?" Uh, this this meant that uh, that the gym teacher gave me authority over all the other patrol boys in the neighborhood, and my responsibilities was to make sure that everybody left because we could leave school early. You see, before the bell rang, we could leave school early had to make sure that all the patrol boys and girls, that they left school early. And then I had a a clipboard, right? Me, as an eighth grader, uh, with authority, a belt as captain with a clipboard and an ink pen. I would walk up and down the streets making sure that everybody was on their post. Man, there's nothing like power, giving power to an eighth grade boy who is already uh, off the chain. So then I figured out, I, I figured this out. Well, number one, all the patrol boys and girls, that they left school early, but the patrol captain left earlier than everyone else. So that means that as captain, I had freedom. I was free. So then I figured out that what I needed to do was that I would leave school early. And you know what I started doing? going straight home. I would leave school early and go straight home. And then I said, well, this is no fun because, you know, all of my friends are still at school, so I'm sitting at home and all of my friends are still in class. And then I said, okay, I'm not going to do that. And then I decided what I was going to do was I was going to assign some of the other patrol boys and girls to carry my books home now. So I used to carry this big book bag, and I would give all my books to them, and i said, you can carry my books home, and I will let you off your post early. You see, sometimes when you have freedom, you have the desire to do, you think, whatever you want to do and think that it's okay. And this is exactly what we're going to talk about today. What do you do with the freedom that basically God has given you? Would you turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. And we're going to walk through this. We'll start off by reading the entire passage. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, for that matter. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. How should believers use the freedom that God has given them? God gives you freedom. How should you use it? Here in verse 13, uh, we see a very familiar word, which most people in our church are very familiar with walking through this, and it occurs throughout Scripture. And it doesn't catch us by surprise, and that word is for. Any time that we begin a passage and it starts with the word for or and or something like that. We know we need to go back in and, and, and and find out what happened before it. In earlier chapters, here in Galatians, there were some uh, individuals who were coming into the church and they were inviting other believers to, uh, get this, right, to return to their lifestyle of bondage before they knew Jesus Christ. Figure that out. I have an invitation for you, and that is I want you to continue to act like you did before you knew Christ. Uh, Here is the invitation. Would you take it? (laughs) This included not only just simply following the law, but also circumcision. Uh, They uh, wanted them to follow the law and obey circumcision as well. All these aspects of the law which weighed so heavily upon their hearts and their minds, all of these things that, uh, that they were running from, now these individuals are telling them, come back and do it again. <laughs> now it's not that these things were bad within themselves, so don't get me wrong, when we speak of the law, we know that we're talking about the first five books of the Old Testament, Right? So it's not that what God had written in Genesis, Exodus, uh, Deuteronomy, and so on and so forth is not Leviticus uh, and Numbers. It's not that it was bad, but when you try to follow things to make your own righteousness, you run into problems every time. So then why the law? The law, or this law, it helped the individual understand It helps us to understand the impossibility of keeping rules in order to get and maintain one's own redemption. (laughs) How are you going to get your own redemption? How are you going to do that? Through what you do on a daily basis? That was a problem. But the law was also, you know, uh, thou shall not kill. Remember that? Thou shall not steal, right? Uh, another aspect of the law that I always bring into uh, focus is Do you realize that you broke the law if you had clothes on and you mixed fabrics. You uh, say, so what are you talking about? For instance, if you have on a shirt or a pair of pants today and somehow they weave together cotton and polyester, I'm not sure if they do that. or or, or cotton and microfiber or something like that, you realize that you were, you are actually in violation of the law? You realize that you were violation, uh, are in violation of the law uh, if you cut your sideburns? Realize that? So you are always uh, pushing against what thus says the Lord. Uh, So the law, it was a condition, for uh, Israel to live according to God's covenant. And this is why the believer in the Old Testament always found themselves in the dean's or the principal's office. Every time they turned around, they found themselves in trouble with the principal, with God. They were always doing something wrong and could never get it straight. Therefore, they were in constant need of having to present a sacrifice to God. Yet another bull, another goat, another lamb, another dove or bird that they had to sacrifice uh, to God day in and day out. When did it all stop? You sinned against God, you brought a sacrifice day in, day out. 24-7, it never stopped. Uh, The temple was a busy place. The book of Hebrews says that the blood of bulls and goats, that it could never do what? Take away sins. So even though they were sacrificing these animals day in and day out, it could never take away sins. Then what did it do then? If it didn't take away their sins, what did it do? It covered them until the next time. Amen? It covered them until the next time. It is this yoke of bondage which heavily weighed upon the people that these individuals here in Galatians were trying to bring back to the church by keeping the law. They realized that they would never, ever be good enough and they always fell short before God. So our passage says that uh, for you, we're called to freedom. Let's deal with this aspect of call. It is not uh, this calling as to a, 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 a ministry, a hearing that someone has been called to become a preacher or called to become a this or that. Uh, not necessarily uh, speaking of that, but it is an invitation to join in something. And in this case, an invitation to enter into the realm of spiritual freedom, which is found exclusively in Jesus Christ. It is not only a call to or into freedom, but it is a call to Christ as well. A call to something and a call to someone. In each call, do you realize, every time that someone comes to Christ, Do you realize that each call to that individual that God is calling them by name? Every time someone raises their hand, every time someone says, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, they're hearing the call of the Spirit directly to them, speaking to them, to their name. must be accepted. When God calls us, it must be accepted. And for some people, this is, very difficult. Very difficult. People feel uh, that they must earn what Jesus provides to them at no cost. So this call to freedom uh, is an invitation to live in contradiction, right? If you're living in freedom, you're not living in what? Who knows? Try it again. Uh, If you're living in freedom, you're not living in what? Bondage, or you're not living in slavery. Absolutely. So if you are free, you are not a slave. Are you a slave today? Are you a slave? So we just heard about the freedom found in Christ. And the slavery or the, the, the bondage inherent in keeping the law and how heavy these things weighed upon a person's heart. But Galatians 5.1 says this. Galatians 5, one, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of what? Alright, let's try that again. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of, don't go back. Don't go back. You were doing so good moving forward. uh, Why are you going to do the moonwalk all of a sudden? If I could do the moonwalk, I would go ahead and do it right now, but you would laugh at me. But imagine me doing the moonwalk. Uh, I'm trying to go down to that street in this direction, right? And I'm going forward. And then I make it about halfway. Then I start doing the moonwalks. So I'm doing it real good now. Can you see me? I'm doing it really, really good now. And Now I'm going to walk normal, okay? All right? Uh, so uh, so uh, how can I move forward if I'm constantly going backwards? How can you move forward if you're constantly going backwards? God did not call you to run back to slavery. God calls you to run into freedom and to remain in freedom. So we are called to this freedom. Now we see each believer, if you are, in Christ, in this freedom, as we had read in, there in Galatians 5 and 1, Not to return, not to go backward. And this is not an easy task to accomplish on your own will, is it? You think that, oh, I I don't need any help to to stay out of slavery where you are absolutely wrong. (laughs) So we have to ask ourselves, what does bondage have for us anyway? Why would you want to be in slavery? How does always having to live up to the impossible task of making our redemption happen for ourselves now all of a sudden become attractive to us? Especially when we consider we are falling short every time we have attempted it in the past. So this freedom is exclusively for people in Jesus. But here's the catch. You must be set free. We must be set free. If you are a slave, you belong to another. And if you don't belong to Christ, then who do you belong to? If you are a slave, you belong to another. And if you don't belong to Christ, then who do you belong to? But you say, I'm free. You say, I'm free in Christ. In fact, you can say for yourself and your spiritual, uh, your spiritual condition, are free at last, Free at last, thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. <laughs> we believe in our society that we have greater freedoms than what's found in others. The problem comes in that in our society is when uh, we want expanded freedoms, with no bounds, no limitations. And when we want expanded freedoms as an individual, we then infringe on the freedoms of of others or start crossing lines that were never meant to be crossed in the first place. (laughs) As a believer, you have been called to freedom and you are indeed free. This you don't have to doubt. This you don't have to worry. If Christ has set you free, you are free. Truly. But Paul goes on here, the second part of Galatians 5.13. He says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. We should not use our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, Paul says. Instead of taking an opportunity for the flesh, we should take an opportunity to serve one another. When there is an opportunity for the flesh... The door is open to do as it pleases, uh, believing there would be no repercussions for our actions. It's interesting that of the six of the seven times that uh, this word for opportunity is used in the New Testament, that is always used uh, for the general concept of, of sin getting its foot in the door. The Galatians were struggling with this. As the people were entering the church, trying to get them to go back and be a slave again. Uh, Can you imagine someone coming up to you asking you, uh, Do you want to be a slave again? A return to the law. as the only way to satisfy the Lord is, in essence, preaching another gospel and denying the work of Christ. So by returning to the aspect of the law law itself as a way of your own redemption is denying the work of Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Galatians 2, 16. Yet we know... Scripture makes it very clear that if you want to do works to justify yourself, you will not be justified by your works. It's not going to happen. So anytime Jesus Christ or his work is vilified or if it becomes subordinate in any way, shape, or form, those actions, those philosophies, those religious orientations, they deny that work. And by default... They become another gospel. So uh, let's take this idea of absolute freedom to its logical conclusion. Let's say that everybody wants to be free. Imagine, I was going to say imagine our nation. Let's, Let's not go that far, right? Imagine the city where you live in. Everybody wants to be free. And everybody wants to do what they want to do and when they want to do it. Imagine to yourself, what kind of city would that be? It would be total chaos. Total anarchy. And when anarchy happens, people cry out for relief, don't they? when uh, people are in it for themselves, every man, woman, and child for themselves, uh, then there is no restraint. The restraint has been cast off because everybody is free. You think it's bad in certain places of of our city or the world today, you go ahead and let everybody be free and see what happens, amen? Because when total anarchy breaks loose, All bets are off. Uh, There uh, there will be no military to help you. There's no 911 to call. In fact, you call 911 and you're going to be in more trouble. Some people say I'm in trouble anyway when I call 911. But it will be a mess. People then search for people or leaders who will rein in, pull in all the disorder but that person that they select may do so with an iron fr- fist. Uh, freedom then becomes the freedom that everybody is against. Now uh, they have a leader who's so strong, who's making everyone do uh, what he wants them to do. Now they thought they had freedom and they thought this one and they wanted it, but it's not turning out for their good. Huh. You see, freedom is only freedom when it is within the bounds in which it was created. Amen. What then is opportunities of the flesh? Because Paul, he mentions this, right? Only do not use your freedom as what? As an opportunity for the flesh. Galatians chapter 4, verse 9. The opportunities of the flesh. That's basically doing those base things, doing those things that you want to do, that they are weak And base principles of the world in which we were once enslaved, Paul says here. Uh, But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again? So there's that language again. Uh, You were going forward and you were going good. How would you do the moonwalk backwards again to that which is weak and worthless? Those worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want, you want to be once more, why would you be a slave again? So if you were called to freedom, let us not use it as an excuse to do what we want to do. So when we begin to do what we want to do, we can always find a reason to justify our actions, can't we? Oh, I did it because of this. Don't we say that? I'm okay. My conscience is clear because I did it because of that. I'm free. God has given me freedom. It is that very attitude and behavior which takes us back into slavery which we can't seem to break free from. There is a slavery of behavior which drags us in our minds and hearts back into the gutter even though our spirits have been set free. See that? What do you mean? You're saying that I'm free, but yet I'm still in the gutter. It's kind of like getting stuck in the mud. I'm not sure if you've ever gotten stuck in the mud. As kids, we used to uh, you, you remember, uh, we used to have uh, rain boots. Remember those days that you had rain boots, not just uh, uh, boots for the uh, boots for the wintertime, but you had those uh, rubber things that you put on top of your shoes, right? And what, I, what we used to do, again, as kids, you know how kids you know always do stuff, we used to put on our boots, and we used to, after it would rain, we'd go find mud somewhere, right? And I would go outside in my boots. Of course, I got in trouble for it all the time, but I always did it. i put my boots on, and uh, I would go find mud puddles. And then I would go, and I would step in the mud trying to see how bad I was. And then one time I did it, I stepped in there, and guess, I pulled my foot out, but guess what stayed in the mud? My boots stayed in the mud. And then we would play in the mud. I would try to go back in and get it unstuck. Eventually, of course, you you would get it unstuck, right? Uh, But the idea is once I got out of the mud, even though I was no longer stuck in the mud, where was the mud now? The mud now was on who? Me. See, that's what happens with sin. Sin. Even though you are no longer stuck in sin, even though you are out of, out of sin, somehow those sin actions continue to be stuck on you and we must cleanse ourselves through Jesus Christ for that freedom. Only Jesus can wash off that residue. So by reading further, here in Galatians 5, we discover uh, particular opportunities of the flesh. This is definitely not exhaustive. Uh, Galatians 5, beginning in verse 19, here is the manifestation of the flesh. What is the flesh? You're talking about the flesh. What is it? Here it is right here. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, Drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. So Paul, he gives us a list, but he doesn't say that this is all there is. Paul says, folks are messed up. You know folks are messed up, so there's other things that people do. We just read through that list. When you read or hear that list, Where do you manage to fall short? Where? Where is God speaking to you? Mark it right now. In your mind or write it down, wherever you need to. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Where is God speaking to you? Even though you have been set free by the blood of the Lamb, you are apt, we are apt to return to those ways uh, which we operated in before we came to Christ. Hmm. And this is especially true when you are not in fellowship with God. When you're not around other believers, when you're not praying, when you're not studying God's word, it becomes more true. When we start removing these things from our life, then we operate more in the flesh and less in the spirit. So take a few moments to think about the the, uh, trajectory of your old days. Your current days. Think about what's going on when you read that list. Where am I? We can only do it through Christ. Use freedom as an opportunity to serve through love. Use freedom as an opportunity to serve through love. Again, Paul says, for you were, create, you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, Serve one another. I tell you, uh, people don't have to try to promote another gospel to to cause trouble in the church. Sometimes people believe uh, the same gospel as you and I do. But they want things done their way. And when people insist on uh, things being done their way, it causes strife and divisions within the church. This is operating in the flesh. Uh, This is what uh, those uh, operators uh, that were contradicting Paul in the book of Galatians were doing. They were causing dissensions and divisions and strife within within the church because they had their idea of how things should go. So they were saying, it's either our way or the highway. People come in, Scripture says, unawares always, all the time uh, trying to get uh, their foot into the uh, the door of the church in order to split it because they have an idea of how things should go. We should not operate in the flesh, Paul says. But what does it feel, how does it feel to operate out of love even when you want to operate in the flesh and do things your way? We do it through love. Love is the means by which we are to serve one another. This is not the romantic type of love, but a love which has concern for another person. When you love someone, it occasionally means you must put yourself aside to help them. I know this is uh, sometimes very difficult to hear, but it's true, and it's biblical, and God calls us to do it. Sometimes, face it, uh, sometimes we don't want to set ourselves aside, do we? We want our own way. Sometimes us, uh, even us grown folks, are just like the three-year-old who throws a temper tantrum when they can't have their way. This is not God's best for us, is it? But God does not stop with the word love in our passage. Passage also tells us that we should love one another and demonstrate it as if being their slaves. Here we go. That slave talking. Wait a minute. You first said that we need to be in freedom and not be in bondage or be in slave. Now you're saying that we need to be slaves to someone. Yes, I am. Well, look at the passage, right? You see, I don't see. I don't see the word slave there anyway, right? For you were called to freedom, brothers only. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Uh, that, that, that idea of serving due loss is the word slave, servant. And I know it's difficult for us to hear. So We've been running away from that in this country for a long time. But the idea is, is uh, uh, being a servant to another person. So are you able to move beyond what you feel and move towards the other person out of love? Are you able to do that? Out of the command of Jesus. If you are, it indicates a, a true level of maturity in Christ. Our passage tells us we should show love for one another and demonstrate it by being Slaves to the other person. No, it doesn't mean uh, having to suck up to them as uh, some people would say. Uh, 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 neither does it mean that we should allow people to take advantage of us. That, 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 that's not what the scripture has in mind. We need to serve each other out of love. It is having an affectionate regard for someone and for their good. Amen. Now, we also know that sometimes serving someone else and, and, and loving someone else, sometimes meaning, it means that we have to tell them some things they don't want to hear. Amen? But we don't have to be mean-spirited about it, do we? Amen? We don't have to uh, you know, try to, to force it down their throat. We say our peace, and then we move on in the spirit of God and in the spirit of love. Isn't that correct? That's how we deal with it. Verse 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. And I know it says you shall love your neighbor as it says one word, and then it says, You shall love your neighbor as that's not one word. The scripture contradicts itself. No, it's not. The one word that it speaks of is love. Agape. Agapao, right? That is uh, the one word that it speaks of. Uh, it is the word love. All Loving the Lord your God with all your strength, your mind, your, your, your soul, right? Uh, everything that you have, you love the God with that. And then it says uh, the, the great commandment, love your neighbor as what? As yourself. So the one word, the whole law is fulfilled, is the word love. But then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. How do you do that? How do you love somebody like you love yourself? Well, do you care what happens to you? Do you want you to be harmed? Do you want to be clothed and well-fed? Do you want to be in a good emotional state? Listen, it goes on. You name the issue. How do you love yourself? However, you can imagine loving yourself is how you should love one another. And then when you love, you should never, you can look at this later, James chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, you should never love uh, someone else conditionally in terms of what they can offer you. If someone can offer you something, you should not love them because of that. You love them in spite of that. If we are not about love, then we are at risk of hurting one another. If we are not about love, we are at risk of hurting one another. Galatians 5, verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Paul states that if we bite and devour one another, then we will consume one another. Abiding and devouring is not the language of love. Neither is throwing fists either physical or verbal, that is not the language of love, but is the language of harm and hurts. In all of Scripture, these are not the words spoken of when doing good. This is the language of actively pursuing hurt, hurting someone else. In fact, when we read these words here, These are the types of words that are typically used of wild animals biting and devouring one another, right? Wild animals fighting over a piece of meat. Some time ago I was uh, watching, by now you know I like watching NOVA and stations like that, and they were talking about this plane in Africa uh, this place that normally fills up in the rainy season with water and then when it, in, in the summer months it gets really dry it dries up. But then when it rains again all of a sudden all the other animals start appearing again. You know the birds they show up then the smaller animals they show up and then the elephants show up and then the lions show up and the hyenas show up alright? So, what's gonna happen when you get all those creatures together after a period of time? Wild animals act like wild animals. Wild animals act, they act like they don't have a leash on themselves. What do you think is happening in our neighborhoods today? People are biting and devouring one another. They're acting like they are wild animals. In the church, Paul says, the same thing can happen, that folks act like they are wild animals. They think that they can come and go and do as they please. Why? Because wild animals are free. Ain't no police force with wild animals. You either kill or what? Be killed. He says within the church, there are wild animals on the loose because they have not allowed the Spirit of God to tame them. They say they are free, but that freedom is within the context of Jesus Christ. These Believers are truly free in Christ. Paul says some will use that freedom to act like a pack of wild animals. So not being led by the Spirit, it opens us up the destructive nature of the flesh against each other but uh, within God's church amongst God's believer uh, that we should be unified because we have the blood of Jesus Christ that courses through our spiritual vein in response to this uh, you have got to see this in response to these people uh, trying to hurt the people in the, in the church we have got to see what Paul says Galatians 5 verse 12 look at this you got to see this. Paul says this, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Yikes. He says that, Paul says, I, it is my desire that the very people who come in here to destroy the church, he wished they would just go ahead and you know, cut their junk off, and, and, and there, there is their, there's their circumcision. Don't just circumcise. He said, have the whole thing lopped off. That's what Paul says. Why? Because they're causing so much damage within the church. But brothers and sisters, that's not the goal. Can you say amen? Uh, Getting someone, having someone emasculated within the church, Paul agrees with this, this is not the goal. The goal is for everyone to be like Christ and to love one another. That means when when God speaks his word to us, we need to follow his word. Amen? Whatever your struggle is, God has sent his spirit to us in order to overcome the destructive nature of the flesh. Who would ever think people in any church in the first place could act like a pack of wild animals? I've seen it before. I've, I've seen it. I, I hate to say that, but I've seen it before. This is why we must pray, because at any time, you know, uh, if, if, if you know anything about wild animals, right, especially these folks who, who go in the wilderness and they try to make a, whatever, let's say like a baby wolf their, their, their pet. Oh, this is my baby. My baby goes with me everywhere oh he's good look at him he's growing oh look at him he's getting big if I have one complaint now that he's a couple of years old I was talking to him and he snarled at me, at me. and it scared me for a second then I realized this is my baby but what you and I know about wild animals is what? They're wild, and they will stay wild, and they will chop your head off when they get old enough and when they go back to their nature. You see? It's not your nature to be wild if you are in Christ. Your nature in Christ is a nature of love and unity. That's how we use our freedom we have in Christ, We don't use it to hurt one another, but we use it to serve one another. Father, we thank you. There is uh, no greater love than a man should lay down his life for another. And Jesus Christ did that just for us. So for us today, Lord God, we just want to come before you. First, we want to say thank you, Lord God that if your word is a corrective to our life, we thank you for that correction. We do admit to you, Lord God, that sometimes it does hurt, but we receive it because one thing that we know, it hurts because you love us. And only someone that loves us will tell us just the way it is. So Father, before you today, if we have acted like a pack of wild animals, we ask you that you would forgive us. Lord God, it may not have been a group. It may have just just been us. It may have just been me, Lord God, acting like a pack of wolves. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us this day. And we come to you again, Lord God, that you would give us the strength just to wipe the residual effect of the muddiness of sin off of our feet and our bodies. Because we want to walk in freedom, Lord, but we don't want to use that freedom to go back and jump in the mud pit. So we love you today, Lord God, and we receive your grace, your love, your forgiveness, and your mercy again. And right now, even as we pray, if, if the Lord is speaking to you, you, just, you don't have to lift your arms high. Just turn your palms to heaven right now. And just receive God's grace and mercy right now. Just receive it. If this is speaking to you. We receive your grace and your mercy right now. Thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. We receive your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, and also your love. Thank you for setting us free. Because the Son has set us free. Oh, blessed! We pray to you, Lord God. Now with our heads bowed, is there someone in here that would like to give their life to Christ? This is your time now. You say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. That uh, I want to repent of my sins and I have faith uh, to believe that Jesus died for me and today I want that to happen. Is there someone in here today you want to give your life to Christ? Lift your hand in the air, we will pray with you. Is there one? Is there one in here today you want to give your life to Christ? Is there one? Is there one? Is there one? So Father, again, we thank you so much. We thank you, Lord God, for strengthening us and keeping us in your loving arms and comforting us even when we've done the spiritual moonwalk. So, Lord God, may your presence deeply abide with us and may the words that we heard today set us free in the area that we are in bondage. Again, we give it all to you And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you once again, Pastor, for bringing forth God's word to his people. Amen. Can we all stand to our feet? Just a brief reminder for our first-time visitors, please give our pastor and his lovely wife